Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 23 of Process to Profitability. We have spent the last couple of weeks talking about different website design um, options and the way that you can work with a website designer. And today I wanted to go over some website design terms that you should know. A lot of these terms you may have heard before, but you might not be quite sure what they are. And these are things that a website designer might refer to when you're having a conversation, whether you're just interviewing them or getting some tips, but they are also going to be talking to you about some of this when you're working with them one-on-one for a custom design. So I wanted to go through these and you will find all of this also in the show notes with the definitions so that it's really easy for you to reference in the future. Um, But all of these terms are important in website design. Some of them are a little bit more technical and things that you will need to know in your analytics or something else. And others are really common terms that you've probably heard but might not be exactly sure what it means as far as a website goes. So the first one is above the fold. You may have heard of this when you're talking about designing a website and it comes from the newspaper days where the newspaper would be folded in half and everything above the fold is the most important. It's the most eye-catching. It's what's going to get you to buy that newspaper. It works the same way for a website. So above the fold is the things that display on your website before people have to scroll down. And your goal here is to catch their attention, draw them in so that they keep reading and looking at your website and don't just bounce right off and go somewhere else. The second term is back end. And there are both back ends and front ends to websites. So we're going to get to front end down the list a little ways. But the back end is the part of your website that is hidden from regular visitors. So this is where things are coded, where you upload your images, make updates. This is, you know, where you write your blog posts to be published. This is all the sort of stuff that you see when you log into your website and can make changes. And then when you publish it, it goes to the front end and that's what your visitors see. All right, number three is a backlink. So there are a couple of different types of links in websites and a backlink is a link from another website to your website. And these are really helpful for SEO purposes, especially if they're coming from a high ranking website that Google knows people really enjoy. And you can get these through guest posting, or submitting your content to other websites that are then going to link back to your website, encourage people to go and check you out, and that's how you get a backlink. There are also um, internal links, which are not on this list, but I'm gonna mention them now. Internal links are links that link different pages 
within your website. So if you have one blog post and you're referencing a different blog post, you're going to link to that and that's internal. That's also important for SEO because it's going to tell Google how the different pages of your website are related to one another. Number four is bounce rate. So if you are looking into your analytics of your website, you are going to want to look at your bounce rate. And that means the percentage of people who leave your website from the same page that they entered without clicking any other links. So if they come to your website from Pinterest to read a specific blog post, they click on it, they read the blog post, and then they just close the window. That means that they bounced. They didn't go and explore any further into your website. And so your goal here should be to get people to look at other pages. And that's where having a really great call to action or a sign up for your newsletter is important. Because if someone only visits one page of your website, they may have learned what they wanted to learn, and that's a good thing, or it may mean that the information they were looking for wasn't there. It's also a really great indication of how easy your website is to navigate because if they land on one page of your website and aren't sure what they want to look at somewhere else or if it's really confusing, they're just going to leave. They're not going to stay around and try to figure it out unless you're offering something they're really, really interested in. Number five is browser. So you're going to hear this along with a couple other more technical terms, but your browser is the program that a website visitor uses to view the website. So that's Safari, Firefox, Google Chrome, Internet Explorer. That's the program you open on your computer or on your phone to type in the URL to go to the website. And what's important about browsers is that they aren't all the same. And so your website might appear differently on certain browsers, especially Internet Explorer, um, from a design standpoint. But your goal is to have it look good on every browser. So a website designer should make it a point to go and check what your website looks like on all of the different browsers. And while it might not look exactly the same, it should at least look similar and have all of the information that you need. Number six, cache. This is another technical term and it means that your files are copied or saved by a browser so that the page loads faster the next time a user visits it. So if someone comes to your website and views a gallery, it might take a while for all of those images to load. But if those images can be cached or saved, the next time they come back to look at that same gallery, the browser already knows which images it wants to display, and so it's a lot faster. And this helps with your page load times, which also helps with SEO. Google wants your pages to load very quickly, and so do your website visitors. A lot of visitors will leave pretty quickly if your website doesn't load in the time that they think it should. And that time is really slow. It's just a couple of seconds, if that, before people want to start seeing what's on your website. Number seven, call to action. So we mentioned this when we're talking about bounce rates, but a call to action is a text, image, banner, or button that uses persuasive language to encourage a visitor to take a specific action. 
And that action can be to go visit another page, it can be to purchase something or sign up for a newsletter. What your call to action is will depend on which page of the website you're on and what your goal is for your website, but it's important to have these on every page so that you, no one gets to one page of the website and isn't sure what to do next. You're always sort of directing people through the website, through the process of eventually purchasing you if they are the right fit. Number eight is copy. This one's really simple, but designers refer to it a lot. The copy is the words that you use on your website. So when you have to submit your content or your copy to your designer, that means you need to give them the actual words that you want to use. So it might be a paragraph for your about page or the description for your products. Your designer isn't going to write those for you, and so you are responsible for getting that information to them so they can put it on your website. Number nine, content management system or CMS. This is the backend tool for managing your site's content, and it makes it easier to update the content without changing the actual design or functionality. So if you log into Squarespace and go to your blog page, that's like the CMS for your blog. You can write a blog post, you can insert images, but you're not changing the entire design of your website. Number 10, conversion. So this is when a user takes a specific desired action relating to marketing or lead generation. So this goes back to that call to action. This is when somebody actually does what you are trying to get them to do, whether that's submitting a form, subscribing to a newsletter, or making a purchase. So when they click on that button and they finalize doing everything, they are put into a conversion rate. So how many people out of the people that come to your website actually do the action that you are trying to promote? Number 11 is CSS or cascading style sheet. This is website code that determines how your website looks. So it's like a visual set of rules. On platforms like Squarespace and Showit, you are not necessarily touching this code. It's sort of generated on the back end that you don't see, but you can add some custom CSS. And if you do that, your designer should give it to you as a text file or a Word document so that you have it for reference in the future. And if you're not a designer, it might not make very much sense when you look at it, but it's important because it tells your browser exactly where you want things or which color you want them or how you want things to look. Number 12, domain. So when you are purchasing a website, you're going to need a couple of things and one of them is your domain. This is the address of your website and it can include any combination of letters, hyphens and numbers and ends in something like .com, .net, .org, .co. That's the address that someone's going to type in when they want to go directly to your website. So that is a domain that is sometimes purchased separately from everything else, which is usually the case in the websites that we're looking at but it is an important part of your website. Number 13, e-commerce. E-commerce is the buying and selling of goods online. 
These can be physical products that you're going to ship to somebody, digital products that they can download, or even services that you can then schedule and work out later. So if you want people to be able to purchase something through your website, anything at all, you need e-commerce functionality. And that basically means that you have the ability to put up something as a product and they can click a buy button and check out on your website. And if that is the case for your website, you want to make sure that you let your designer know that when you are doing interviews and talking to your designer so that you can make sure that whoever it is that you hire can have the e-commerce set up and that the platform you've chosen can support e-commerce, which some of them can and others can't. So you want to check that out. Number 14 is a favicon or fav icon. A favicon is the small customizable icon that displays in your web address bar. So when you go and type in a URL and go to that website, the little icon or image that pops up next to the name is your favicon. And you can create a custom one for your own website so that when people go there, they can actually see a little bit about your brand right there in their URL bar. Number 15, front end or user interface. And this is the opposite of the back end that we talked about earlier. These are the components of your website that a visitor can see, including the pages, images, and content. So this doesn't have any code that's visible, but it's what your visitors actually see when they go to your website. So it's basically your website, the way that it looks to somebody else. 16 is hexadecimal or hex code. So hexadecimal is a base 16 numbering system that's used to define colors online and can include the numbers 0 through 9 and letters A through F. The reason that this is important is because in order for your brand colors to look the same online as they do in person or on Instagram, you want to know what those hex code numbers are because that's what your website designer is going to need. And your brand designer should be able to provide these to you and you just need to hand them off and let your designer add them to your website so that your colors are all consistent. Number 17 is hosting. So in addition to the domain that we talked about earlier, you also need to purchase hosting. And this is the business that provides storage space for your website. Big companies can be self-hosted, which means they have a server on-site somewhere that hosts their website. But for most of us small businesses, we don't have the capability to do that. And so your website is actually stored on a computer somewhere else and that is the host. So there are a couple of ways that you can do this. If you use a service like Squarespace or Showit, you are hosted on their servers. If you use something like WordPress, you are actually going to pay for hosting separately and install WordPress. So you can buy hosting through the same people that have your domain or purchase it separately, but that's the difference, is where it's stored and who you're paying to store it. All right, number 18 is HTML, and this goes along with the CSS. HTML is hypertext markup language, which is the language of the web. And this is how your website tells the browser what to display. 
If you're using a drag and drop template, you're not really going to mess with the HTML. It's all going to be done behind the scenes and will change as you move things around or upload images. But if you are writing a website from scratch, getting something totally customized, your HTML is the language that your designer is most likely going to use to write all of that out. Okay, number 19 is a hyperlink, which is a link from one web page to another, either within the same site or to a different one. So this is similar to backlinks and internal links, but the hyperlink is sort of the overall term and the other ones are different categories underneath that. Number 20, infinite scrolling. So there are a couple of different types of scrolling and I wanted to highlight this one because it's pretty popular with websites nowadays. So infinite scrolling means that all of your page content is loaded onto one page and is separated into sections. And as you scroll down the page, more and more content loads up. So the best examples of this are your Facebook timeline or Pinterest. As you get to the bottom of your page, it's going to load up more content and sort of pop you back up on the scroll so that you can keep scrolling forever and seeing stuff as it comes up. Some people use this for websites so that all of their pages are sort of on one big page and as you scroll down you see all of those different sections instead of having them be completely separate items. Number 21 is JavaScript, which is the scripting language that allows for interactions on a page. So in addition to HTML and CSS, a designer would use JavaScript to make some of the functionality, like forms, work. If you're ready to improve your website today, get my free five website updates to get legit guide by going to lemonandthesea.com slash five updates. There you will find a guide with five easy updates you can make today that are going to make your website stand out, be legal, and it includes free resources that you can check out as well as easy action steps to get you started so that you can start making improvements to your website today. That is at lemonandthesea.com slash five updates. 22 is landing page, and I'm sure you have heard of this if you are an online business, but a landing page is the page where a visitor first enters a website. Sometimes this is a specifically designed web page that you are encouraging people to sign up for a webinar or buy a certain product, but if you're looking at it from an analytics standpoint, it's any page that the visitor lands on first. So you can create a special landing page to encourage certain action where if they're coming from social media, they might be encouraged to sign up for an email list. If they're coming from a Facebook ad, they might be encouraged to do something else. Or you can just send them to your blog post like if they were coming from a Pinterest pin. 23 is meta description. And this is HTML code that stores information about a web page, including description, author, copyright, etc. The reason your meta information is important is because it will tell Google some information they need to know about your website. And it also is the information that loads up on your website if something isn't working or isn't visible. So if somebody goes to your website and an image won't load for some reason, 
they are going to see the meta description of that image instead of the actual picture. The, and what you want to happen here is for that to be actually descriptive. You don't want it to say IMG0927. You want it to say, you know, wedding by the sea with blue and purple foliage. You want it to be descriptive so that if someone can't see the picture, they can know what it is. 24, navigation. This navigation is the system that allows visitors to move through your website. And there are two main navigations you'll see on most websites, the main menu at the top where the most important pages are listed and navigation in the footer that often includes some of the links that people need, but they're not necessarily going to look at all the time. But navigation also references the way that somebody uses or navigates through your website. So these are all things you have to think about when you're designing because you want it to make sense for the people visiting your website so that they can get the best experience possible. 25, optimized images. Images, when you load them to the website, any website need to be optimized. And what this means is that they are saved to a size and resolution that make them load quickly and still look really good online. It's a balancing act between having an image that the quality is really high, but the size isn't too, too large so that you can get your images to load quickly and Google really likes that, but you also want them to look good for the people who are visiting your website. 26, page view. This is another analytics definition where a page view is a request from a server to load a certain page. So it means that somebody has looked at a page on your website. And this is gonna show up a lot in analytics because this is going to tell you how many people have come to your website. 27 is a permalink. This goes back to those links that we talked about, but this is a link that is a permanent address given to something like a blog post or a Pinterest pin. So while your blog is always going to change as you're adding new posts, the permalink is the link that someone can type in and go to that exact same post every time. So this may be auto-generated by your blog or you can change it to be specific but this would be something like lemonandthesea.com slash blog slash Squarespace updates or something that someone can go to and they always come to the same post, whereas if they just went to your blog page, they're going to see the most recent content. 28, platform. This one goes back to domain and hosting, but the platform is the framework on which your website is designed. Your platform is something like WordPress, Squarespace, Showit, or Shopify. It's basically the thing that helps you design your website. 29 is plugin, which is a third-party code that extends the functionality of a website. These are used really, really frequently on WordPress websites, and there are a ton of them. But you can also buy plugins for sites like Squarespace and Showit that help you to make your website more functional and do things that the platform itself might not be able to do on its own. Number 30, resolution. That's the physical number of pixels displayed on a screen. So 
resolution is going to be determined by the size of your screen. And that's important for web designers to know because the bigger the screen, the more, you know, they have to have good quality images, but it also just tells them how wide a website should be or on mobile, how wide your columns need to be. So that's more of a thing for your designer, but I thought it would be a good term to share. Number 31, responsive design. Responsive design is design that adapts to a user's device. Um, and this, in an ideal world, applies to their content, which, you know, their images and text need to be resized. But it also applies to changing based on the visitor's language, age, knowledge, country. It works, you know, it might show something different to someone who is much older. It would give them a simpler website than someone who's young and is really web savvy. This ideally is what we are all striving for in design. We want your website to work for everybody who visits it in the best way possible. But what we're looking at most of the time for responsive design is talking about being mobile responsive, which means that a website is going to look really good and be easy to navigate on a cell phone as well as on a desktop computer. 32, search engine optimization or SEO. These are things that help search engines understand what is on your website and display it when it is searched. So this includes title tags, meta descriptions, and your website content. And all of those things build up that SEO and rank you higher in the Google searches because Google's goal is to give people the information that they need as quickly as possible. Number 33 is split testing or A-B testing. And this is a method that allows designers to see which design has better results based on the website's goal. You might see this a lot if you are sending newsletters where you can try out different headlines and see which one performs the best. But you can also do this on a website to see which landing page performs best or which images result in the most conversions to your goal. 34, user experience or UX. This is the interaction that a visitor has with your website. And every aspect of a website's design affects the user experience and should be thought out. And at least the major elements should be tested by having someone go on your website and watch how they use it. UX design can be a whole different thing. And it can be applied to websites, products, commercials, pretty much everything out there. But when you're looking at websites, you want to consider what it's like for somebody to come to your website and be trying to perform a specific task. And how easy is it for them to do that? When you design a website or when your designer designs one, you kind of know how things work because you have been on the back end. You know where things should be. But if, when someone totally new lands on your website, they need it to be really clear cut about how they do those major things that they're looking for. Number 35, website strategy. And this is something that I have really been working on in my own design as well as the user experience is 
Website design that's based on promoting certain goals. It's not just about having really great images and graphics and looking good. It is about designing a website that's going to help your business reach your goals, whether that is getting more people on your newsletter list, having them buy products, getting them to submit a contact form. Whatever it is that you are working towards in your business, you want your website to promote that through the way that it's designed. 36 is wireframe. This is a visual guide that shows the layout and content of a website without any design elements. So this might be a sketch on a piece of paper or a PDF that your designer sends you. This is basically how things are going to be laid out without all the colors and specific images in there yet. It's going to make sure that all of the functionality that you need on your website is there and make sure that it makes sense for when people are visiting your website without being distracted by making sure that all of the brand colors are exactly right. So this is a stage in a lot of design and it can be done as sketches or PDFs. Sometimes people will wireframe on the actual platform but usually what you're going to get is an outline of the major pages of your website, like your homepage or your about page or a blog post. It's not the entire design of every single little page on your website, but it's the overall look and feel. And number 37 is a 404 page. This is the page that a visitor sees when they try to reach a page that does not exist. And the reason that I mention this is because you have a great opportunity when someone reaches one of those pages, whether they've typed in a URL wrong or a page has moved, to get them to perform an action that you want. Instead of it just saying, uh-oh, this page isn't found, now you don't have anything to do, it's going to give them some options like sign up for my newsletter or here's a search bar to figure out what it is you're looking for or maybe this is some of my most popular content. Does this answer the question you have? I know that that was a lot. That was 37 terms for website design and some of them are pretty technical and others not so much, but if you aren't familiar with it, it can be a little overwhelming, which is why you can find all of this in the show notes. I'm going to have a list of all of these 37 terms as well as the definitions that I've shared here so that you can go back and check them out. If there are any other terms you're confused about or you're not quite sure what something means or how it relates to your own website, I would be happy to talk you through it. Just send me an email at samantha at lemonandthesea.com. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show. 